Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome, everybody, to The Basement. It's great to see you. It's great to have you. I have so many fun things to talk about today. We're going to talk about the one quarterback who is having his style of play analyzed and perhaps criticized by those closest to him. We have to get into that as someone who's very close to the show, too. Plus, the NFL figure right now that I just cannot stand the coverage of, and I can't abide it, and I'm going to contribute to it by talking about it, but I'm going to do it as a public service announcement, and it might not be the player you're thinking about. Plus, I love the aesthetic change, the massive aesthetic change that we just had made to the NFL. I know you have opinions about it. Everybody does. It's this strange random topic that everyone has an opinion about when you get into that too. Plus, takes on takes with a brand new combatant, someone very close to me, a female combatant entering takes on takes. I cannot wait. Let's get to what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. Let's start the show. I love the way Josh Allen plays football. You know that, you agree with that. Even if you are a Bills hater, it doesn't matter. We can all agree that it is exciting, it is exhilarating to watch that guy play. The size, the speed, the athletic ability, everything, it's incredible. But clearly the Bills brain trust has gotten together and they've got a little bit of an off-season initiative and they can't stop talking about this, both the head coach and the GM. McDermott came out a few days back and was talking about Josh running and taking risks with his body and jumping and hurdling and doing all those Josh things. He was saying, I don't think that's a healthy way to play quarterback in this league. And it's undefeated that things are going to happen when you play that style, that brand of football. We have to get that adjusted. It's never going to go completely away, but it has to get where it's workable. I'm surprised to hear the head coach come out and talk that um, handedly about what is really a a constructive criticism of his franchise quarterback. But then, Big Baller Bean, the GM, also spoke about the same topic. Brandon Bean, he said a lot of things, and he ended with, if it's the first quarter of week two, we don't need you trying to run over a linebacker or a safety. I like those guys. I respect those guys. Um, And I know where they're coming from. I don't want to change a damn thing about Josh Allen right now. And I don't think it's the time to talk about changing a damn thing about Josh Allen. I really don't. Change some things about the Bills? Yes. Rain in or uh, corral Josh Allen's style of play and his brazenness? I don't think so. This, this is a debate that goes back a long way. Michael Vick used to start running around when he was a young player. Anyway, we got to rein him in. We got to rein him in. He shouldn't run so much. I remember John Madden going on the air and saying, what do you mean he shouldn't run so much? Look at him. Run. Yeah, run, jump, do all the things that you are supposed to do, Josh Allen. And it also reminds me of uh, like a young Mike Tyson who would just throw wild, huge, powerful uppercuts and huge crosses. And they were so incredible and they just knocked guys out and they were unstoppable. I don't think when he would go to his corner... And he would talk to his trainer, Customato. I don't think he was saying, Mike, Mike, we got to do fewer of those those uppercuts because you're really leaving yourself vulnerable and someone could counterpunch and knock you out. Stop doing those uppercuts. Stop swinging those big, beautiful, powerful, devastating, terrifying punches. It's too much. It's too much of a risk. No, he's like, Mike, knock him the hell out. Do what you do. Uh, I would say the same thing to Josh Allen. Make smart decisions, sure. Don't be an idiot out there, sure. But last year, 
Josh Allen rushed for 55 first downs. 55. How many of those would be dashed, would be surrendered? How many of those would turn into punts if he decided, oh man, I'm going to round the corner here and I know I can beat the safety or break the tackle, but I better go down. I better throw it out of bounds. 55 first downs. That is not just a running quarterback. That sounds a lot like the offense. A lot like it. And I would say to respectfully to Bean and to McDermott, if you don't want Josh to run as much, if you don't want him to run over linebackers or leap over safeties, give him a huddle where he doesn't have to. There's a lot of that with the Bills. It is Josh Allen, the superhero, as attack number one, and Josh Allen, the superhero, as attack number two through five. You, you watch the games and you can see it. Get him some studs on offense in the draft. Get him some studs on the offensive line. Get him some guys. Because you can say, Josh, stop running so much, stop taking so many risks. I'm sure he'd love to. I really do. I don't think he can. I think if Josh starts to rein it back, I think you're going to start losing out on first downs. You're going to start losing out on wins. The whole There's a domino effect to that. Understand, of course, he's not supposed to be a moron out there and lower his shoulder every five seconds. He knows that. We all know that. I just think there are much greater problems with the Buffalo Bills right now, much greater slights against what they have built and what they're still lacking. I just think that item number 15 on the list is, is Josh running around too much? Josh is awesome at running around. Keep doing it. It's like Andy Reid and Brett Beach coming out and saying, you know, we love Pat, but this, impro this improvising he does, these sort of magical late play heroics he does, he really should stop them. I, we don't see a consistent way of winning with that. That's who he is. This is who Josh is. There's going to come a time when Josh Allen is not able to leap over guys or run over guys. And it's years from now. Right now, that is some of his biggest, most powerful stuff. Those are his biggest, baddest punches. That's He's got the right hand when he throws. That is the left hook. Throw that mother bleeper every chance that you get. And don't, don't tell me that Josh is at this injury risk. <laughs> you know how much time Josh has missed in this career that he's putting out for over half a decade? He missed four games in his rookie year. This is not an injury thing. It's not like he's got to stop trying to run over guys. He keeps getting hurt. This is, we're not talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. This is Josh Allen. He doesn't get injured. If anything, he injures. It's frustrating for me. I'm defensive of it because I know what he's up against. And I hear players in the league talk off the air. I hear guys who used to be teammates in the league talk off the air. And they'll say, look, man, there's a general thing up there in Buffalo where they got dig, sure, and they got some players. Don't get me wrong, but it is, Josh, go be Superman. Go. We need you. Superman us out of this problem. Superman us out of this corner. And he does. So if you want him to de-Superman, you got to throw in some more superheroes next to him. Okay? We talked to Josh about it. We were doing a segment when we were here last season, early in the season too, and we took tweets from Bills fans about ask him, ask anything you want. Ask what movie he likes. Ask what his favorite play in the playbook is. And sure enough, one of the Bills fans who was anxiety-ridden came in here and asked Josh on the air about taking risks in certain game situations. Here's the question with Josh's response. 
Is it necessary for you to run in the fourth quarter when you're up 20 plus points? Can you please stop from an anxiety ridden Bills fan with PTSD? That's from Tiff. Go Bills. What's your reaction to that, Josh? Answer her question. Um, is it necessary? Absolutely not. It's not necessary. Um, but it's football and, you know, things happen. Yeah. And, uh, we were in a, we were in a, you know, four minute drill where we're just, we're just trying to, you know, waste some clock and we called a play action. Um, there, Gabe Davis, uh, you know, got open late, but at that point I kind of pulled the ball. There's a DN right there and I was just trying to get some yards and we called a surrender situation where again, incompletion is, is way worse. Yeah, I'd rather take a sack there, keep the clock running. Um, but again, there was a crease. I did do a, a, a half-hearted slide, and I got off the mm-hmm. sideline, Matt Barkley and uh, Case Keenum like, dude, can you slide for me? And I was like, go back and watch the tape. <laughs> I didn't really take a hit there. I, slide. I, I did a little jump forward slide. Um, I did get touched a little bit, but again, those are the ones where, you know, I got down in time and I didn't take a big hit. He did a little half-hearted slide. What more do you want? I like the answer. If you don't want him to, to run around as much, you don't want him to truck linebackers, put him in an offensive huddle where he doesn't have to. Let's talk about what I hate. So I've been watching the coverage of the annual league meeting uh, at which there are many reporters, all the head coaches as we know from the photograph, all the GMs, all the owners. It is really the Comic-Con of the NFL, but not the players. So there's so many things and billionaires and masters of the universe and so many media members that are covering it. It it makes me laugh and kind of roll my eyes that in the middle of this coverage, if you start to follow on social media, there is this explosion, this breathless, uh, fainting reaction because Odell Beckham Jr. shows up to the annual meeting and everyone's taking pictures and running next to him and shooting video and oh my gosh, there he is, he's here and I see these pictures that look like from old Us Weekly back in the day where he's like getting out of a car and someone's behind behind a garbage can and taking pictures of Odell. I am so annoyed by the Odell coverage. I really am. And it has nothing to do with Odell, who I, I you know, think is a great player and a fascinating personality and a huge celebrity internationally. And I've talked about it a lot on this show, how people across the world know and love Odell. I just can't stand the coverage of him right now in the NFL. We, you would have thought that Lamar had showed up to the, the league meeting and was walking the lobby. <laughs> or Rodgers. Or that Rodgers and Lamar were holding hands with interlocked fingers, skipping through the lobby and holding up a middle finger with their other hand. The way the reaction was from the NFL media that, oh, I don't know, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., a 30-year-old wide receiver too, coming off an injury showed up. <laughs> that's, that's the reaction. Again, I, 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 hope, I wish the best for Odell. He's there trying to look for a job, maybe even setting aside some of his pride to do it. Great. I can't stand the coverage. And I do it, I get in there in the morning and then an NFL network and it's, let's do a whole segment about Odell. And I'm like, why? He's, he's relevant, he matters, he'll come back. He's been hurt a lot. But as far as right now in 2023, guys, Odell over the last three seasons has had 856 yards total, not per season, total. Uh, Drake London on the Falcons, a rookie, 
had more last season. But it's just like, but Odell, but Odell. It's guys, it's been years. It's been years. Uh, Michael Pittman on the Colts had more yards last season than Odell has had in three years. Chris Godwin from the Buccaneers could show up to the league meeting with a thousand yard season and no one be like, oh yeah, Godwin, yeah, yeah, I'm playing, doing my Sudoku. Odell shows up and it's like the Beatles getting off the plane arriving in the United States. <laughs> but, but if the Beatles hadn't had a hit in years and couldn't get a record contract, it's very strange. And you might say, well, aren't you, why don't you feel the same way about coverage of Lamar and Rodgers? First of all, I do. It is annoying. But Lamar is, is a franchise quarterback who's healthy and ready to play and looking for a team. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP two years ago. Odell Beckham was on the Browns two years ago, or maybe it was three years ago. I don't even remember at this point. I get it. And there are huge, massive figures that can change teams. Odell, he, he's going to be a wide receiver too, where he shows up. He might be a three in some places. It's just that so much about his fame and his fame is so much about what happened almost a decade ago. He made a great catch against the Cowboys. That was nine years ago. Nine. Okay? He was really good in the first half of the Super Bowl and I respect it. I hate that he got hurt. It's a powerful image. But I can't go to battle stations every time there's a L Odell landing spot that's, that's mentioned. I just don't, I don't care. I, I, where is a great landing spot for Odell Beckham Jr.? I don't care. There's 50 different players who I think are younger, healthier, and maybe more viable for a team right now than Odell. And God willing, he has another great chapter of his career, another great two chapters. But, you know, he's out there doing the, the workout, and he's on film, and he's doing one-handed catches. Oh, my God. I, am I in a 2015 time warp or something right here where this is still that relevant? I, I don't understand it. It, it almost starts to feel a little bit like a Jadavian Clowney where, man, he made that incredible hit against Michigan when he was in college. And then he became very famous, was number one overall pick. And he had some good years in the pros and made some big plays. But, like, there's this constant following of where is he going to sign next? Where is he going to sign next? I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I'm looking at the young guys in the draft who have their whole career ahead of them. It's a thin line that I'm walking where it feels like I'm just wildly disrespecting Odell. And I may be dipping a toe in that. I don't think he's really done anything wrong, at least in terms of football. I just wish that my colleagues would refocus. I'm not seduced and titillated by Odell coverage. I'm asked sometimes in the morning for NFL Network, what do you think would be a great landing spot for Odell? And I can't even answer the question. I cannot answer the question. I understand completely what he has meant to the league. I went to a, I went my alma mater, I watched Princeton football play six or seven years ago. And so many of these players came off the field from being from, you know, they made a defensive stop or they got a touchdown and they come down and they sit on the bench and they take off their helmet and they all had this bleach blonde hair that Odell has. It was amazing. I mean, it was really, really a cool deal. The influence that he had and how much people like him internationally and how electric he was for a while and maybe will be again. But again, is a 30 year old wide receiver two coming off an injury. We do not need to drop everything we're doing and tweet and post and meme and wipe out the format of whatever shows or podcasts or anything just to talk about Odell. Oh my God, Odell was in Arizona walking the lobby. It's just, it's, it's like, I, I can't take it anymore. You can even hear it in my voice right now. Are you sitting here watching this, listening to this, me like, I don't know what he's getting a bug up his butt about. I love hearing about Odell landing spots. God bless you. That's not gonna be me. I just, I just hate it.
Odell is eventually going to sign a new team. And if it's relevant and if it's interesting, he's going to be a big contributor on a team that matters. And it's going to be more about his play than his fame or his past or his hair or his Instagram or whatever the hell it is. I'm in. I'm in. Until that, I just can't take it anymore. Let's get to something hilarious. I'm very excited about NFL players being allowed to wear number zero. It is hilarious, though. It's a strange look. Don't you think? It's going to be weird. If you don't know, the, the rule was passed, suggested by the Philadelphia Eagles that we should bring back number zero, something that has a 100-year history in the NFL. Guys were wearing single zero uh, in the 1920s, way back when. Then double zero came about, and now the NFL is permitting, for the first time since the 70s, the early 70s, 50 years almost, single zero will be allowed back in the NFL. It is coming. Players will be wearing it this fall on your favorite team, on your fantasy team, and it's going to be strange because we don't know how this is going to go. One of these quarterbacks could wear it. One of these rookie quarterbacks, CJ Stroud, could get drafted. He's going to hold up the number one jersey at the draft, and you're going to see that first shot of him or whoever he's with. And it's going to be single zero. And you're going to have to watch that. And it's jarring. And it looks really strange. But he's not going to be the only one. So the deal is, you can wear single zero this year. Anybody on the field except defensive and offensive linemen. So we are not at the point yet where a left guard can wear number zero. Can't do it. A defensive tackle cannot wear number zero. Quentin Nelson on the Colts, no. Aaron Donald on the Rams, we think, no. Everybody else, though, wide receiver, running back, yes, quarterback, kicker, safety, linebacker, they can all wear zero. And I think it's very funny. And I just, it, it's going to be such a strange deal the second we see it. And I also think the roots of it are interesting. Because the reason that Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, uh, suggested it as a rule change, like, why do we need this? Honestly, this is what we're spending our time on. His point is... You know, you get in this habit of retiring jersey numbers, especially if you're an older franchise. And it just becomes a matter of math. We don't have a lot of numbers lying around. We got a 53-man final roster, dozens more in the training camp roster. Then you have your practice squad roster. And when we're dealing with 1 through 99, the math gets really, really tight, especially when we start retiring numbers. So, for example, the Bears. Chicago Bears is one of the oldest franchises, all right? Do you know how many numbers they have retired? You might think as a sports fan, well, 34, I'm sure, is gone for Peyton, and maybe they retired 51 for Butkus, and I don't know, 40 for Sayers? Is that about it? Not even close. If you're a Chicago Bear, a free agent, a draft pick, anybody, you cannot wear the numbers 3, 5, 7, 28, 34, 40, 41, 42, 51, 56, 61, 66, 77, or 89. There's a lot of numbers. There's not that many left. And those are legends. 89 is Dick, uh, 77, Red Grange. You know, 41 is, is uh, Brian Piccolo, Buttkiss, Gale Sayers. And that's the thing, like, Mike Singletary's number is not retired. He's 50. You can wear 50. They have had guys with... There's other guys who could claim to it. We haven't even gotten yet. Are they going to retire 54 for Erlacher? He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Played his entire career on the Bears. See my point? They're like, 
It's not that we necessarily want single zero, it's just we need bodies, we need the zero. So that's why the roots of it are in. And to the question of why not double zero? I'm glad you asked. Jeffrey Lurie of the Eagles also said, next year I'm pushing for double zero. So that may be coming too. And what cracks me up and why I find it hilarious, the zero and double zero, is that as a sports fan, no matter what your sport is, I think we all immediately have someone that we mention or think of when you hear zero or double zero. Like if you're just having a conversation with friends about, oh yeah, did you hear the NFL lets you wear number zero now? Someone will be like, oh yeah, Gilbert Arenas, Robert Parrish, Orlando Woolridge. Like they'll just start naming them. It's, we all have it in our mind because it's such an unusual number. It's very different from two, 11, 21, 20. It's so unique, it's zero. I remember on the Chicago Bulls teams, Randy Brown, who was like a backup guard, wore single zero. At one point he wore one, but then I believe he switched to zero. We immediately have our response to anybody who wears the zero. And I love that. You may think it's irrelevant. Why are you spending time talking about it? That's nonsense. We as sports fans have strong opinions about jersey numbers. We do. Either because of our favorite athletes that we watched or the jersey numbers that we wore when we were playing on whatever modest level it might be. And every single one of us who played high school football or college football or pro football, you better believe that those jersey numbers are always part of your email address or now your Venmo or your ATM pin. That's just, it's, it's part of your identity. And part of our identity as fans is watching guys and you can name their number immediately, especially in football. It's the biggest in football by far because they're physically the biggest numbers, one. And two, football, the face and the identity is obscured in so many ways more than it is in basketball or baseball that the number becomes part of your identity. When I just, if someone just says Randy Moss, I'm like, oh, 84, 84. But uh, except 18 when he was on the Raiders and 81 when he was on the Patriots. So you just think of that. Joe Montana, 16. All these players, their logos, TB12. It's a big part of it. So now that zero is involved, so my question moving forward, do we need to stop retiring so many numbers? Okay. I think yes, because put this thing forward 25, 30 years when we're all old, if they continue retiring numbers, we're going to run out of space. There's just not going to be enough for teams like the Bears or really old teams like the Arizona Cardinals who are the oldest team in the league. You only have from single zero to 99. Are we going to have to go to 100? Is someone going to be number 104 in their jersey? Is someone going to be number negative six? I don't know. But it's all, it's all under consideration. I think we need to start being a little careful whose jersey numbers we retire. I looked at the Eagles list because Jeffrey Lurie is in the news. Do we need to retire Donovan McNabb's number? Because it's retired for the Eagles. Understand, great player, all-time Eagle, accomplished some incredible things, didn't win a Super Bowl, got to one, like five is just gone forever, you can't. It would be blasphemous for someone in 2043 or 2023 to wear five, everyone's just gonna lose their mind. It's a little generous. I think you do that ring of honor thing that a lot of the teams, we only have so many numbers, guys. We can't control how many numbers exist. And this is why we got to get creative. This is why we have the zero. You know what we're going to do tomorrow too? I got to do a side conversation about this during commercial break this morning. The worst jersey number. We're going to do this tomorrow. Because I bet you have opinions on this too. Couple, I think it was McCordy was saying that he wasn't feeling zero. And then we started saying, is it a terrible jersey number? What's the worst jersey number? We'll get into that tomorrow in the basement. But for now, get ready. The zeros are coming.
you, your son, whoever, your wife, your husband, you at one point are gonna have a jersey with a big old zero on it. And you know when it's all really gonna blow up for us? When Odell gets his new team, whoever it is, and it's gonna be like O for Odell, and it's a constant branding IG thing, and, and we're all, all our heads are gonna explode. Not mine. My head's gonna explode about people's heads exploding. But in the meantime, it's coming. Number zero. Tomorrow, we'll talk about worst jersey number. In the meantime, oh baby, we got a special one. Let's do some takes on takes. All right, you know how this works. Two combatants come in with their takes and then I give my takes on their takes. And sometimes my takes come in numerical form in terms of a score. I got all the numbers here. We have these made beautifully at FedEx Kinko's. And uh, I will give each person a score on their take based on delivery, creativity, and heat. We had a 10 last time we did this. We only had two 10s in history. What will we get today? I'll tell you what we'll get. Get some fresh blood. First up. Um, we have a take from Teddy Bruschi reacting to his old head coach. This is interesting. This is Patreon on Patriot. Bill Belichick, when asked what reason he wants to give to the Patriots fans to keep them optimistic, he said, the last 25 years. You probably saw that. That was his response the last 25 years. Well, here is Teddy Bruschi, who built a Super Bowl winning resume and in turn a media career based on playing for Bill Belichick, his response to that. Go ahead, Teddy. It caught me off guard. Uh, I laughed and it also caught me off guard because it's not consistent with the message that he's given to the organization himself. I mean, to players himself when you're in the locker room and, and, and you're in the team meeting room and he says, I don't care what you did in the past when you're in the very first meeting for a new season, Super Bowl or playoffs or all pro or pro bowl or leading the league and whatever, it doesn't matter what you did in the past. And that's who, I, that's, that's who I know him to be. And so maybe that reaction that I have right now is basically the fault of Bill Belichick because he taught me too well. This is the way I see it, that even holding accountable your head coach to the message that he tries to portray publicly to, to, I mean, to Mike Reese asked that question. And Mike Reese is a reporter for ESPN that is always just looking for positivity and hope to give the fans and you want to reflect on 25 years. It's something I definitely, if I saw Bill in the locker room and I walked by him and I joke with him about and I'd say, 25 years, huh? Are we talking about 25 years now? So hopefully someone can sort of tell him that. Uh, I'm not in there anymore. I only can tell him through this, uh, through this venue here, but uh, definitely off message if you're a, a former Bill Belichick player like I am. All right, well, let me start off right off the bat. I, I really respect that Brewski went that direction because you see so many players who don't want to speak in any way ill of their former team even. Sometimes they go that route, let alone their former coach, let alone a coach that's successful. So the fact that Brewski would stand up and be like, yeah, I'm one of the, the former Belichick guys in the media, which there are many, and, and I thought that was off-brand and I didn't like it. I respect that a lot because he could have easily just played it off. Said, ah, Bill's just joking. I liked it. I really did. Um, I also liked watching him kind of be aware of his phrasing and not wanting to go too far. He did a nice job at the end of putting his, himself into the situation where if he walked past Bill, he would joke about the 25 years, added some levity to it. Now, there could have been a lot more heat. He could have gone strong at Belichick and took taken him down and said something to the, oh, the old man's gone soft and he's losing out without he's talking about. 
don't know really how Brewski is wired. So I respect that. It's a good, solid effort, and I, I, I do really think it was cool that certain players will not really go after Belichick used to play for him, and Brewski was just critical of it. So I'm just going to do the six thing. You know, I don't like giving sixes, but I try, I try to avoid it. It just keeps happening. Um, I, it's an interesting side note. Jason McCourty was just at his brother's retirement ceremony, Devin's, uh, at Foxborough, and Jason had some FaceTime with Belichick, and Jason was sharing with us that Belichick said to him, hey, listen, you know, you're in the media now. If you ever need to rip us, just go ahead. Don't hold back. You can rip us. Do whatever you got to do. I understand how it works. And I thought that was such an interesting commentary that he was giving Jason license to do that. Or maybe it was this weird reverse psychology where he was putting it in Jason's head to not do it. Either way, Jason said it was a pretty cool moment. He has a good dynamic with Belichick. But this is special. This is a pretty cool moment, too, because I have a good dynamic with this person. So Brewski posts a six. It's just sitting there to be beaten or to get like kind of a kind of a lazy win. Next up is Jamie Erdahl of the Good Morning Football Program. Yeah, Jamie. This is my girl. And Jamie came blazing today, which I really am uh, proud of her for. She had a take. We were asked, I I'm sitting there next to her for it. We were asked about what's the outlook for the Vikings this year. And we all kind of just blah, 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 blah. And then Jamie said, hold on. I got some thoughts that maybe they should break the cycle and the Vikings should do something incredibly dynamic at the quarterback position, making her takes on takes debut, the wonderful, talented, very professional Jamie Erdahl. Kirk Cousins, uh, while I hope he does have the most competitive season in 2023, I'm not sure it necessarily needs to be with the Minnesota Vikings. They just chose to not pick up or extend oh. an, an extension. The report was that he would have taken mm -hmm. less money for more time. Kevin O'Connell said, no, we're good. We'll play out this. He's got $10, $10 million mm. coming to him due in mm -hmm. 2023. Mm -hmm. What if he's not there? What if someone like Lamar Jackson is someone that pushes the Minnesota Vikings mm. over the edge? Because oh. the Vikings have the wide receiver. Go. They have the draft picks. If they send two draft picks to the Baltimore Ravens and receive Lamar Jackson, that is finally an edge of a quarterback, a dynamic quarterback. Because this Kirk Cousins experience, while it is statistically beautiful and while it earns you a division championship mm -hmm. in the regular season, it is not pushing you over the edge the way you think it needs to do in the postseason. I am happy for Kirk Cousins that he has officially dropped this narrative of the fact that he only wins on one o'clock games. It's great. You're not winning in January still, and it's frustrating everybody, and you have an unbelievable talent at wide receiver in Justin Jefferson that if you're not careful, I know you're going to extend him, but you have to find a quarterback that is going to make him great, that is going to make this team great, because to play in a division that is ripe for the taking and all you're ever doing is winning regular season division titles, you have to make a change, and sometimes those changes are scary. Way to go, Jamie. Just awesome. You thought Brewski referring to his former coach in, in maybe not the most positive light was difficult. I agree. This is Jamie, who is a Minnesota native, going on her own hometown team. And so I'm sitting next to it. And I've never had this from Takes on Takes, so I'm kind of excited right now. It came in layers. So she starts out by saying, oh man, she said something about the, the Vikings should move on from Kirk Cousins. All right, Jamie, this is interesting. Yeah, I guess they go to the draft or something. And then she then she said the L word and she said Lamar. And I said, Jamie, go. And I'm, you know, I'm, you can hear me like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just listening. I'm riveted. So 
listen, um, we, we talked about the categories, you know, the heat and the delivery and the creativity. Delivery is fantastic. She has statistics. She has context. Um, she backs it up. She's not just whistling Dixie. Certainly, you know, the, the, she wasn't really going for creativity. She was just going for, for directness. Just, I'm going to get this point. And then the heat is big. And, and it's not in the heat in the sense that it was insane. Heat in the sense that I, I'm not seeing this take. I'm not seeing. It's not something that everybody else is saying. Heat in the sense of originality and heat in the sense that she's going after her own hometown team that she talks about a lot glowingly and has a lot of respect for as a Minnesotan. So that was an excellent score. Now, I don't agree that the Vikings should go away from Kirk Cousins at all, let alone for Lamar. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Uh, if you wanted the idea that Lamar needs can make Justin Jefferson great, Kirk Cousins is doing a great job making Justin Jefferson great. Um, if you want to say, you know, you need to win more playoff games, you can pull up Lamar's playoff record versus Kirk Cousins' playoff record. It's the same win and loss, and Kirk has performed better statistically pretty much across the board than Lamar. And I'm not going to get in the weeds on that. That's not what the segment is about. Just for the record, I don't agree with it, but you better believe I respect the hell out of it. And as much as I like Brewski going after Belichick just a wee bit, where the hell is it? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go here. Jamie Erdahl gets a win. She gets an eight. An eight for the conviction, an eight for the delivery, eight, eight for the research, eight for just the, the spine to go on there and say something original, which, believe me, is very difficult to do. Therein lies a philosophical debate in this segment, whereas, is it good to win takes on takes, or is it bad? When you win, do you actually lose? No, not for me. Jamie will likely watch this, and Jamie, great job. You know I was there with you? I loved it. You need to have someone who look outside the box and not just say the same thing. Oh, where's Lamar going to go? I don't know, the Falcons or the Colts? Probably not. It might end up being one of these surprise teams or one of these shocker teams that we've talked about for months. You're like, I can't believe it. Why would they do that? Well, because they had a vision, or as Jamie puts it, maybe they are tired of repeating the same thing. Jamie gets the win. Brewski, we'll see you next time. Brewski goes to 0-2. Jamie goes to 1-0. I feel like a win myself. That's the show, everybody. That is the show. I'm going to throw a dart. Let's go to the sky cam. You all know how this works. A standard dartboard is numbered 1 through 20. There's a sorted around the, the board. I throw the dart. Whatever number it hits, there's a random topic that the producers have put together, and I will speak on it before I pedal away and say goodbye. Number 12 today, ladies and gentlemen. Topic number 12. What topic do we have on the topic list? Bring it up. Topic number 12 is combine, combine drill you do best at. The bench press. It's not even close. I would do bench better at the bench press than I would do at the wonder lick. Um, and I, I want to be very careful I'm not flying into the uh, restricted airspace of talking about how much you can bench. But, um, I don't know, look, the, at this point, the 40 would be embarrassing. I'm not doing any of that high jump, um, cone drills, all that. No, I, the hips aren't loose. I could bench, though. Um, Burleson and I, Nate Burleson and I, did it a few years back out of boredom and have tried to do something to the combine. Instead of doing like a wacky combine about like how many cupcakes could you eat in two minutes like you do on wacky sports radio, we just did it conventionally. I said, Nate, uh, what, what can you vertical test? And then he responded, what, how many reps of 225 can you do? And we did it like in gyms and Nate still jumped, I think 30 inches. And then I think I had 16. It was either 16 or 15 reps of 225. That's not, that's, that's, that's not even close. That's an easy question. I've even thought, you know, Rich Eisen does that incredible thing where he raises money for the children at St. Jude's Research Hospital and why well, he runs the 40 and he has well over a decade, I'm sure, at this point. 
And I've always meant to reach out. I'm like, Rich, if you ever want to supplement this little charitable endeavor that you've created, and if in addition to Run Rich Run, you want to do Bench Brant Bench, I'd, I'd be happy to do it. I will get in shape. I'll focus on, uh, on the bench press, the incline press, and every rep makes so much money, I'd be happy to do it. Um, but that's it, it's not even close. The wonder look, I never got to take it. It looks really hard, actually. People laugh at the low scores. These questions are weird. Um, that's it, though. Guys, that's the basement. That's the basement. What day is it today? A Wednesday. I'm out of here. I'm going to pedal away. Thank you. Love you. Miss you. Subscribe, share, tweet, post. You know what you do. In the meantime, while you do it, exit through the garage, close the door on your way out. See you guys.